Welcome to Weed Week. I'm Alex Halpern. And I'm Donnell Alexander. This is the Weed Week podcast. You can subscribe to our free newsletters, Weed Week, Weed Week California, and Weed Week Canada at weedweek.net. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Weed Week News. Got any feedback? You can write us. Hello at weedweek.net. And also, you can support us on Patreon and get some cool swag or one of those awesome auto grinder joint, joint and joint fillers yeah and the thing about it is you get these things these cool things but also you get to be a part of this thing that clearly is giving you pleasure you're here listening to us be a part of it be in the mix yeah it's a lot of fun and we've got an interview today there's really nothing like this interview we're going to have today in the spectrum of cannabis who do we have so buck angel is a trans man an activist he's been in adult films and he's also now a cannabis entrepreneur. We talk about his, his product, a line of um, Buck Angel boner tincture. It's called Buckshot. It's not a tincture, but it is for your boner. And, you know, that's probably a good time to say this is a very um, sexually explicit episode of uh, Weed Week. I think we're, we're going to talk about sex more than we have in every ep- other episode combined. So... If you have children, bring them in the room. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> if you're in the habit of listening to Weed Week with your kids, then <laughs> you'll want to keep that up for this episode. Okay. But first, some news. You know, people have been talking about CBD for a while, but now it there's just been a flood of news recently that seems like it's really going mainstream. All three of the big pharmacy chains, Walgreens, Rite Aid, and CVS, have all said that they'll be selling CBD products in, in different capacities. And also... Unilever, the giant consumer products company, is going to start selling a CBD deodorant. And that's reported by a friend of the pod, Jeremy Burke, the business insider reporter. And he says that um, Unilever's brand Schmitz Naturals will be selling a a CBD deodorant. So what is the CBD deodorant going to do for you? I'm not exactly sure. The thing is, people will buy anything with the name CBD on it right now. I find that interesting. I think the Farm Bill opened up a lot of the possibilities for all this. But are we at a place where we know what's in all of these CBD packages? Well, No. I mean, I've almost deliberately avoided becoming an expert on CBD rules because they're they're so complicated for for so little reason that, I mean, they really make the rules governing THC look easy to to understand i didn't know that why what's the complication with cbd well first of all you can get you can drive cbd from hemp and from marijuana and i think there are different rules for that and which right the level of thc that can actually be in the cbd thing is different right the product i don't know cbd isn't regulated in terms of how much can be in it see it, it's just impossible to figure out. I mean, if, if these are questions that are of professional relevance to you, you should probably ask a lawyer rather than us. But there are also rules, whereas THC, you can't import at all, whereas CBD, the rules are different for derived from different p- plants. And It's funny, you can consult a lawyer, but you cannot consult a doctor. <laughs> right, exactly. Maybe, it's probably not recommended. Certainly not a veteran's administration doctor. No, and I actually do think people are consulting their doctors in droves right now. There's so much talk. So back to back to our guest. Buck is super fun, and I think what's important to him, he, he started in porn. We talk a little bit about his appearance in the, the Netflix documentary After Porn Ends, but he really did do something interesting after porn ends. He became an activist. He's definitely become a spokesman 
who's helped trans people become more visible, but also help people become more comfortable with trans people in their lives. It's a tough leap to go from being a queer porn star to being a sort of uplifting icon. I can't think of any hetero or cisgendered people who've done that. Yeah. Are, are there any hetero porn stars who have become sort of like activist icons? I think I might have mentioned that uh, I talked to Jenna Jameson and she was campaigning for Mitt Romney. I don't think that made much of an impact. <laughs> Jenna Jameson, for you kids, was a 90s... Well, she was everything. I thought she was interesting because you could be that porn star before the internet era came. Now, no one even knows the name of porn stars, except for Buck Angel. Here's Buck Angel. Our guest in studio is the legendary Buck Angel. Welcome. Ooh, legendary. Don't That's you get a to big be word. That? You know, it's funny because I joked with another guest that if you're around long enough, they call you legend, but you- uh, <laughs> It makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's funny because the first question concerned age. Uh-huh. You call yourself the Tranpa. Yep. But you're not that old. I'm 56. Oh, that's that's kind of old. That's <laughs> courting age. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of old. So, I mean, are you embracing that or are you just mocking that? No, 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 no. I embrace my age 100 because I never thought I would make it to this age anyway. Mm. Never in a million years would I make it are this Are you far. talking about going back to when you wanted to kill yourself? All the time, yeah. When I was young and when I was a female, yeah. Okay. I had we should totally... probably give some backstory. Because yeah, now pop, you're just confused everybody. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a lady. <laughs> tell, us a, <laughs> tell us about when you were a lady. I have a real specific question about when you were a lady. Oh, right you on. said something really remarkable, but I'm going to let you do the whole backstory right thing. Right so, so to the listeners out there, uh, I was born female 56 years ago, and I had a sex change to a man 28 years ago. No, 23 years ago it's been. So, yeah, I'm 30 years sober, but 28, uh, 23 years in transition. So from a female to a male. And now I live my life as a man, but uh, one of the things that people know about me is that I have a vagina. And so I'm, I'm known in the world as the man with the vagina. <laughs> or the man with the pussy. Whatever you... Right on. And you were doing this before it was cool. Way before. I started doing porn 20 years ago. So t- it's my 20-year anniversary. You talk about being an educator. Mm-hmm. And I get that yep. from the sex work thing. And from being a trans person. Mm-hmm. But why is education a part of your calling in this phase of your life? The cannabis space. In the cannabis space, yeah. Because I'm sober 30 years and I use cannabis. And mm-hmm. I think that that confuses people a lot. I felt a little confused. Yeah, you should. So that's good. <laughs> so the reason why I'm an educator now in regards to cannabis and why I started my own cannabis business is, first off, because I am sober 30 years of drugs and alcohol. And one of the things that did not take me out was cannabis. I never used cannabis when I was using drugs. It was usually speed or you know all those kind of drugs like downers and uppers and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. I never did heroin, but I mostly was a speed addict. I was a meth addict and alcohol. And they took me out and I barely made it to this life I'm in today. So that's why I always say I'm lucky to be here because I was homeless. I was prostituting on the street. I was a cutter. I tried to kill myself three or four times. Is this after or before? Before. Before my transition. What were you? 
where was I? Yeah. Here in Los Angeles. Really? Yeah, I was homeless here in West Hollywood. Lived in the park. You know the park on San Vicente and Santa Monica, I think it is. Yeah. I lived there for about a month. Yeah. Totally homeless. Is this the 90s when we talked? Yeah, about? yeah. The late the late 90s, mm, I think. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I prostituted as a man. I hadn't even had my change yet. So I looked like a little boy. I was a very masculine woman, very dykey, you know. I'd wear a baseball cap and baggy clothes and men would pick me up. I'd walk down the street and men would just pick me up on Santa Monica Boulevard. I would do hand jobs and blow jobs for 20 bucks for a rock of cocaine yeah. i have to tell you I, I, I you know i just moved to west hollywood <laughs> right I, on. I feel like i see those kids oh yeah they're there all the time i know they're there you know it didn't when I, I lived in the area when i first moved here from san francisco in 94 yeah and it didn't break my heart the way it does right now yeah like, it looks giving me chills because yeah. it does remind me of myself and my law lo- and being so lost and being so nobody know knew what to do and no one could help me because of my transness and no one back in the day we didn't talk about being trans we didn't talk about having a sex change we didn't talk about any of that i was the first guy here in los angeles to have it done mm. that my was the first for my top surgery having my breast removed the doctor had never done that and same with my hormones the doctor called me a guinea pig because he had never worked with a how, woman becoming a man. How do you become the first pe- person yeah. to, to get that operation? <laughs> That's a good question. And, yeah, it's especially a good question. You, you know, it sounds like you didn't have much money. Or in, I didn't or have like any how, money. Right, how did you? How did? How do you make that happen? So I was. I got finally. I started getting sober, and then I found a therapist who was a gay woman and, and had a job. Had a steady job at. Uh, this shop here in Los Angeles called Maxfield, which a lot of people know, it's a very high-end like luxury store. And I was the warehouse manager there, and I was getting sober. And my therapist said, you know, I said I'm a man, and she said, I believe you. But how? And that was before computers, before any technology. We couldn't go on the internet and Google trans sure. <laughs> how to have a sex change. That did. I had to go to bookstores, and so one of the bookstores was called Different Light. Remember Different Light mm-hmm. bookstore? Yeah. And I found a magazine in the back that was made homemade magazine from transgender women. So men becoming women. But I said to myself, that's me. And so I found doctors in that book. And those doctors had only worked with men becoming women. But I went to them and I said, I'm a man, a woman becoming a man. And that's when they said, well, you can be my guinea pig. <laughs> I'll experiment. They, and that was how I became the first person to do that. Yeah. And I just showed up and I said, I want to have a sex change. So we came here to talk about cannabis and your products and your involvement in the industry, which actually I didn't know until very recently. And you've come in here with Buckshot. Yes. It's a boner drink. I know that because the label says that. (laughs) And as you explain, and I know this wasn't an overture to a party or anything here tonight. (laughs) We're going to have a party. In this tiny room. (laughs) In part because you said it's, you had, Last 72 hours? What the fuck? What is this? What are <laughs> well, we know, doing? Men in their penises. <laughs> 72 hours. Give a man a boner. He keeps coming back, dude. <laughs> so no, that's like the whole, like really up, you know, up to. It's kind of like marketing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But some if you drink the whole thing, you will have a boner for two days. For sure. Somebody did it. It goes down and up. You know what I mean? It's not like hard the whole time. What's in it? It's all natural. That's why it's so awesome. Hmm. It's a proprietary blend of all natural ingredients. Because I really made it specifically... Because I wanted guys to stop taking Viagra and Cialis. I'm an anti pharmaceutical drug. It's pharmaceutical and it's so, there's not one single positive thing that you get from Cialis or Viagra. Nothing from it. It's just chemicals. You get headaches, you have congestion, you don't feel good. That was always the complaint from most of the men that I spoke to about it. I thought you were, because you have a pussy, mm-hmm. I thought Quimrock was the focal point. I mean, mm-hmm. tell us about. 
what you're doing. I don't. I feel like I know nothing so, except. Okay, what you're yeah. Doing. So my company is called Pride Wellness, and I created a cannabis company with a. I have a trans male uh, partner, not lover, but a partner. He's also part of my company. So me and him decided to create a cannabis company, completely reflecting the LGBT community because we both are trans and we both are queer, and we realize that there's nobody targeting our community, which has a lot of drug and alcohol problems, has a lot of health problems, has a lot of anxiety, depression, and we both use cannabis for. All of those above reasons. Mm -hmm. So I realized, oh my God, nobody's targeting my community that is really in a space that needs to be out of using pharmaceutical drugs and into using natural medication. I mean, legalization owes a lot, as I understand it, to to the gay community. Yes. Dennis Perone, who wrote the California's medical marijuana law, he's a gay Vietnam veteran who mm -hmm. died about a little more than a year ago, I think, who had a dispensary in, in the Castro during the AIDS crisis. And young young men who were dying would get cannabis from him and find some solace and some re relief from their pain. And sort of that led directly to the legalization of medical yeah. marijuana this in, is very true. in California. Mm -hmm. So what do, what do you mean to create like a, a product for the LGBT so, community? So that's great that you said that and you know that. That's very, I, I appreciate you saying that because it is one of the reasons we got into the business. Just the same reason why we believe people of color and people who have been in this business forever who are being arrested being, are not having the same opportunities. I used to be a lady and a white lady. Now I'm a white dude. Well, no, that, <laughs> Magic. You, it's, so, <laughs> it's real. You, you brought it up, but I was going to ask you. Of course, bring it up. You said you were at a, club in Hollywood mm -hmm. uh, downstairs mm -hmm. uh, last summer and you said that you used that line you mm -hmm. said I used to be a late we're giving jobs to people that the white man hates I yes. know this because I'm a white I was a white lady once <laughs> so what did you learn about cannabis and your experience as a white lady uh -huh. in terms of like that antipathy you're yeah so about? I didn't and I didn't use cannabis when right. I was a white lady okay. and so my point being is that what I do know is that my community is the one that created and legalized cannabis because of HIV and AIDS with a drug called Marinol Marinol is a pharmaceutical drug based on cannabis mm -hmm. and so we as our community LGBT are the ones who legalized cannabis 30 years ago and so we're not in the game and so we're like wait a minute our people really help to move this into a space of legalization. We can't let pharmaceutical companies and the big white money come in, which is what they're doing right now, mm -hmm. and taking over the whole the whole uh, believe me, I'm struggling. My little company is struggling right now. It's because hard. big money <laughs> is here. Billions of dollars are coming and I literally broke up on my piggy bank. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so hard right now, you guys. It's, it's so really hard. hard. It's so hard. Well, Absolutely. I mean, I I want to clarify my question. I meant how do you, how do you know they hate us. Okay, know? how do I know they hate you? I mean, I uh, it's not reasons. so much hate. I wouldn't. I, I, if I use that word, I apologize. What I mean to say is that they don't want to make it a level playing field. Mm -hmm. And how I know that is because I'm deep in it now, mm -hmm. and I'm around, and I do a ton of events, and all I see there are white money. I do not see people of color there. And when I see people of color there, I see people of color there saying, hey, wait a minute, we need a piece <laughs> of the action. What's right. a, you know, that's what right. I see. So, and when I talk to people of color, that's what they say to me as well. They don't have the same opportunity. Of course not. They don't. Mm. And that's just a realization. Well, real can you thing. tell us about your experience getting licensed in West Hollywood? Yeah. So what happened was uh, I had to basic. It was so expensive to get Is a license. Is this for a shop or a factory? So, or so a... in West Hollywood, uh, they were giving out, I think, 45 permits for 
delivery service, for dispensaries, for lounges. So that the just to do the permit, it was fifty thousand dollars. So we don't even have fifty thousand. So we partnered up with a couple companies in order to give them social equity because that was the great thing about West Hollywood is they were using social equity to be able for people to get in. Most of the people that got their licenses were women-owned companies, people of color. So they really did go to the space where people were not having the same opportunities. But don't they have a criteria by which they decide are there seven different points? Or yes, something? a lot of different points. And so one of the heavy was social equity, which I have and my partner, Leon, have a lot of social equity in this community. I mean, we've done I've done really activism for the gay community for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. So that said, they looked at that. So what we did is we partnered with a company that uh, the Ash Society, they're called, and it's a women-owned company. And they we partnered with them, and they got a they got a lounge, an edible lounge. So we're part of an edibles lounge in West Hollywood now. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. When will that be? Up and oh up. gosh! Then there's <laughs> so that's the first step. Now you gotta you know right. So then there's property. Then there's basically you have to build your whole space. So it's not like an inexpensive thing to do. You have to actually build it up to code. So it's not going to be happening probably until the end of the year. It's a lot of work and a lot of money. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, you talk about being sober, and mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of talk. I just wrote a story about there's a lot of people who think cannabis has helped them get off opioids mm -hmm. in particular yep. and you you talked about you talked about math and speed mm -hmm. which are big problems in in the gay community huge like there's just a big case here in in la of a, a guy who died at a prominent activist house and i mean is this something you're actively promoting uh, cannabis as a way to get off some of the harder drugs? Or yes, I, I, so right now I'm working with uh, Homeless Healthcare, which is, which is a, a homeless organization here in Los Angeles, and we're working on putting together a project because they also have methadone clinics and they deal with people coming off of heroin and those kind of drugs, so we're actually creating a program there using our CBD products in order to help people come off of, which I did, I worked with a woman who was on Oxy and all those other crazy drugs, and she was, and I actually for one month I gave her every CBD product I had. She was smoking the vape, and she is now completely, one year later, completely, totally sober off of all of those medications that she could not get off of before, just using CBD. So I'm a big believer in that we can be using cannabis, CBD, all of these sort of products from the cannabis plant in order to help create a better healthy society when you give people who are coming off of heroin methadone you're basically giving them the same thing you're going to keep them high on that forever that is not getting somebody clean and sober that is getting somebody to use a different type of drug pharmaceutical drug you don't have any um misgivings or uh, hesitations in that CBD seems really, uh, it's not the same quality all the time, and I don't feel yeah. like we very much know what we're getting. What are your? I agree. With how you do you deal that. with that? Well, I have one source that I use, so I think because of my source has been perfect the whole time I've been using it, I don't have a problem. But a hundred and ten percent, you are right on that. We know all the players are getting in that just want to come in and make money. They don't care about the cannabis world, where I think a lot of us sitting here do care about the cannabis world. We show up at committee meetings, and we show up to make laws fair, but those people just get in it because they have money. People see CBD as money, not as health. Not as health. Many people getting into it now. They do. Yeah, I mean, there is. Yeah. they think the market's going to grow like 16 times in oh the next God. couple of years. I wanted to, how did you become an influencer? I look at you online, and <laughs> I mean, not everyone who's been 
prominent in porn becomes yeah. an influencer. Yeah. What what has done it? Have you taken specific steps? What's your strategy? It was so hard, my friend. Being in porn is like being a leper. <laughs> it's like being put into an island across the. You're never gonna do anything ever again. It's real. I, I want to. That's so interesting that you asked that. I know you've been in um, after porn ends. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was episode three, the third yeah. installment of it, that uh, Tara Patrick in there and she, is in it. And she said something that is completely dirty, but absolutely <laughs> profound. I thought I could only ask you about. And I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to paraphrase. But she said, she said, once someone's seen you with a dick in your mouth, you can't unring that bell. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I love her. She's a good friend of mine. She's Adam. really She's smart. Awesome. Very I, smart. Yeah. Don't underestimate that woman. She is <laughs> highly intelligent. Well, I guess my question is, of all the things we reveal ourselves in the world, and we have a world where people are more and more, um, what's the word, show-offish? Yeah. What's the word? I, I'm blanking Narcissistic. on Narcissistic. Uh, <laughs> exhibitionist. Well, it's an go. exhibitionist <laughs> world. But we still are in the place where that sexuality, that expression of it in porn, mm-hmm. You can't unring that bell. What is it about that? Well, first and foremost, I think it's that really the world, and mostly the United States more than the rest of the world, is very phobic around sex. And because really people believe that it's really made only for procreation and not for anything else. And that's a real thing. And I think religion plays, and I'm not in any way anti-religion. What I am is anti-organized religion and and religion that sort of puts rules and regulations that don't make sense to me. But that said... I think religion has a big play on it in this country uh, around that sex is bad and it's only for men and women and it's only to make babies and don't do that. So, of course, anyone in porn is considered like a bad person because I'm exposing my body, right? Right. I'm exposing a dick in my mouth or you know what I mean? Like, what is that? Right. You sort of socially die for America's sins. Social death. Exactly. Thank you. That is so true, my friend. So I'm the guy. (laughs) who will not take no for answer. And I'm the guy who, if you try to tell me I can't do it, I will figure out a way to do it. And everybody kept telling me, no, you're not going to be on Oprah. You're not going to be on this. You're not. And I said, well, watch me. I never was on Oprah, but I removed my, I got myself out of the porn industry by just finding space where people would listen to me and talk. I, and that's what I don't I know what that is, though. What that's is, showing up to podcasts. That's showing up to every single interview I could ever do. I did. I don't care if the magazine or the newspaper was in the middle of Timbuktu and there was only one reader. I would do it. I would do it. And so mm-hmm. what I did is I did it for years and years and years. I just put my voice in every platform and every arena that anyone would listen to me. And that started to get me outside of porn. Because my, because what I talk about really is myself and my journey to become myself, and that happens to be a man. But it's not just about my gender; it's about actually becoming a person who loves myself and wants to be part of the human race and wants to teach people how to become the person you want to be. Whether you're a man, woman, non-binary, black, green, blue, it doesn't matter to me. I really did come from death, and I created that one reason and one reason only: self-love. And that is really what I talk about a lot in my, and that's where cannabis comes into play. Cannabis also helps people kind of get out of their anxiety and get out of this feeling and really come. I really believe cannabis and sex are a great combination. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of my platforms. I mean, you're not alone, I, I hear. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. It's real for sure. Um, can we talk about Quimrock? I love Quimrock. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, 
Can you explain the company, what, can, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Can you explain what it is for people? It's not, I, so, I, I, I thought it would be a great rapper. Do you know them? It would be a great rapper. Now. I know I them. thought you were yeah, involved Yeah, they're with beautiful. Them. Are you, are you no, not? they're just very good friends of mine, but oh. I use their lube, and I actually really do. I, I promote their lube a lot because I use it. It's mm-hmm. a great lube. Yeah, so Quimrock is a woman-owned company that created a CBD and THC-infused lubrication for women, okay. and mostly for vaginas, and so I'm also into vagina health. Clearly, I have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that said, we have to talk about those things where men like me who have vaginas don't want to talk about our vaginas so what happened with me was i'm 23 years on testosterone and remember biologically i'm female so i'm putting a a, a drug into a, a, into my body that is not natural it is not natural so what happens is there's all kinds of things happening to my body remember i'm a guinea pig so they don't have any research on long-term use of testosterone in a female-bodied person i'm a very i'm an experiment on many levels so fast forward what happened was after about 15 years on testosterone i started developing cramps down here and like period cramps and i was like what's going on no gynecologist could figure it out oh my god i'm a man on my period (laughs) but i didn't have my period it was just cramping especially after sex anyway no gynecologist would talk to me no gynecologist would work on me because they didn't want to touch me so basically i had to figure it out on my own and what happened was i dropped on the floor one day almost died became septic what happened was atrophy in my vagina because atrophy happens when you remove estrogen from the vagina and so menopause think of a woman going through menopause that's basically what happens in menopause is that estrogen gets taken out of your vagina you don't want to have women don't want to have sex they feel very irritable because it's not comfortable down there that's what happened to me but nobody would listen to me and then what happened was my uterus and my cervix fused together oh my god because there was no estrogen in there so what happened was everything just sort of cramped and became one so i it popped like the i became an infection and it popped (laughs) oh my god and i became septic and almost died and they literally they said if you didn't come to the hospital in five more minutes you would have been dead and so then the i was in mexico living there at the time and they were like holy shit dude i'm like they're like what this is crazy and they like that was the first in the uh, history of the medical uh, world that anyone had ever seen uh, any reproductive system on long term uh, use of testosterone so they wrote a paper about it as well so oh, wow. that's the we'll reason why i talk yeah totally it's very interesting what happened to me but it was the first case ever recorded case of atrophy on a, a, from long term use what else do we need to check in on here? Is there something you want us to know about? No, we touched on my cannabis company, which is really important and the reason I'm here. I think really, uh, just really having discussions around cannabis. I appreciate you guys having this podcast and really mm-hmm. doing that because we, we need to have, we need to keep the conversation going. Yeah. You know what I mean? When we can have real conversations with people who have some substance and cultural right resonance, we're really happy about it. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And you're talking to people who don't get talked to about pot very much right yeah. why is that well you're talking about specifically the trans community yeah because it's small and we're just now getting comfortable well it's not small that. the trans community is huge so is the lgbt community yeah. but that's why as i said again i'm the one only right now focusing on my community which is really because you know i give money every time people buy my product i give money to the lgbt center every year i write like a five yeah. or ten thousand dollar check to them yeah to give to help with the senior services right. so we're helping senior services there with can our cannabis tell, money 
talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so when I create when we created this company, we really wanted to make sure that it was a community-based company and that we were going to be able to work with our with our community, not only give back to the center where we can help senior. We have homeless seniors. That is unbelievable to me. Homeless, hungry seniors. Not okay. Those are the re- those are the people that open the doors for us while we are here today. It's heartbreaking for me to see that. So, we really decided that we wanted to help the senior population and give back to the community that way. But also, the other great thing is we create jobs for our community. Mm-hmm. So we have delivery service. We, we hire all queer people. We hire all people, everybody that doesn't get a chance. So we hire all of those people. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's opened different doors for you to become involved with marijuana? A hundred percent it has, most definitely. What it's opened is a world of health for me and so as I I'm very much into health and very much into fitness and so really as a sober person I really want to talk about being sober and using cannabis because every time I say that people are like you're not sober that's not true we did have a doctor on Dr. Sherry Yafai uh-huh is a medical doctor and uh-huh. she's involved in a, a program where they are using cannabis to help people wean right, off drugs. but what she was going with it it didn't get you high that was right. the deal so, oh, right, that's why CBD doesn't get you high and why we use that. See, so I'm also opening up a home here in Los Angeles called Transform, and I have a 40-bed home that is opening, uh, I think, next month. And so basically it's a home that will house transgender post-incarcerated, so people coming out of prison who are trans or people who are homeless and trans, and it's a recovery home where we will be using CBD products to help people learn to use these to get better. But that said, if we're not teaching people how to use cannabis responsibly, Who's going to teach them? There is a responsible way to use cannabis, 110%. Like any other, like anything. If you can use it responsibly, there's no reason why you can't. And I'm responsible with my cannabis usage. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't feel in any way, shape, or form that it's taking away from my sobriety. When it does, I'll stop using it. Right, so that's why I want to teach people: you can be sober and use cannabis. It depends on what your sobriety is focused on, right? Right now, our products uh, are not available. We're just getting them out onto the market, and they'll be in, like, I think, dispensaries in the next couple weeks because it's Gay Pride coming up. Mm -hmm. So we were waiting for Gay Pride to release all of our products into the shops because we wanted to make a big bang. And, like, it was not – it's not easy to get your stuff manufactured. In this this climate right now in California, the the Bureau of Cannabis Control is a joke. And I said it right here. Well, a joke. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're the first. Oh, my uh, God. They're killing. No, taxes. Can I just tell you kids out there about taxes? I don't get. I don't make any money off my business. It literally goes back into the government. You're not the only one. I mean, 60% we pay yeah, yeah. with no write-offs. Right, uh, it's right. great to hear <laughs> who is, who liberals is, and radicals complaining uh, about we their are taxes. So, I am so <laughs> I, I upset. And the federal government is taking money from me. The federal government who says cannabis isn't legal, yet they take my check. No, I hadn't thought about that. Part. Yeah, no. that is the part where you can go fuck yourself mm. because that is where we need to really put an end to this. That is not okay. They're taking our money, yet, yet it's not legal. Mm-hmm. Come on. No, we have a – it's like a war of attrition and – Getting to see who's going to survive is, you know, the third That's act. That's exactly We're what they're doing. For, okay, who, and who's going to win? Exactly. Why I told you it's that. It's usually I people with up. very deep pockets. So. Deep, and they're coming in, man, with million, billions, not even millions. Millions is nothing now. Mm-hmm. It's billions mm-hmm. are dropping. And so they're trying to kick us out of this arena, and we can't. We have to. My community is amazing. They support my stuff. They understand what I'm doing. That's why giving back is important. I'm a big believer in giving back. And how can people find you online? What's the best way for them to? Yeah, so, so the cannabis company is pridewellness.net. 
And then my stuff is just all Buckangel, Buckangel.com, Buckangel Buck Twitter, Buckangel yeah. <laughs> Instagram. Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think it's an honor that you came and thank thanks you, for friend. doing it. No, thank you guys. That's our show for today. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Weed Week News or email us at hello at weedweek.net. Tell us who your favorite cannabis activist is. For more Weed Week News, you can sign up for the newsletters Weed Week, Weed Week Canada, and Weed Week California, all available at weedweek.net. And don't forget to show us some love on iTunes by giving us a rating or leaving a five-star review. Did we mention the Patreon thing? Do that. And that's patreon.com slash weedweek. Simple. I'm Alex Halpern. And I'm Donnell Alexander. Our producers, Hannah Smith and Alicia Beyer, wrote our theme music. Additional music is from the late, great Andre Bush. See you here again next week. Later. Bye. Thank you.